And I think that our society has such a messed up vision of what productivity is. And I don't like it. <laughs> I wish that um, it was, you know, more standard that people would see productivity as pretty much anything you're doing. Um, I don't believe that laziness exists. I think that we all deserve and need rest. I think we all need and deserve time for creative play. So. Hello, and welcome to You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Brenna Jennerette children's lit author, mom, rock climber, and co-host of this podcast. My co-host, Josh Munkin, is a children's lit author, dad, and science communicator. This episode starts off strong with a chat about Madeline's Paul McCartney Christmas sweater and doesn't let up from there. We cover Madeline's journey into tarot, how it can be used as another writing tool, I'm looking at you, story stormers, and how it contributes to the kidlit joy bubble, trademark pending. Listen to the end to hear Madeline pull cards for both Josh and me one of which directly led to the unexpected surprise of partnering with Justin Cologne and his new kidlit venture, The Hive. Speaking of the kidlit hive, have you heard the buzz? In case you haven't, Justin Cologne is offering access to affordable and inclusive educational sessions from individual panels and webinars to multi-week classes, each one chock full of agents, editors, authors, and illustrators from across the kidlit world. Coming up on February 2nd is the Journey Through Acquisitions Editor panel, featuring huge names like Foyenzi Abdabonmeyer with Macmillan, Esther Kaharenga at Penguin Random House, Father Flores with Simon & Schuster, Mabel Sue from HarperCollins, and Sylvie Frank at Disney Hyperion. There will be a moderated panel where they peel back the curtain on the acquisitions process from their own points of view. I'd like to offer my own special thanks to Justin here for offering this one because I have no clue what goes on at the acquisitions phase. Is it like the Wizard of Oz scenario back there? Probably not, but I'm excited to find out. I'll be there, will you? Justin's classes are going to be the bee's knees. Check them out at kidlithive.com. And now, back to our verse. Well, please first, please show Josh your full Christmas sweater, because... Yes, it's Paul McCartney as Santa Claus. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so good. It. I love right? it. <clears throat> I would not have imagined that something that, like that exists. I don't really know why it does necessarily, but I like it. I yeah, mean, it's why... from his official website, actually. So <laughs> totally endorsed. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> no, we were talking about like meeting people online that you only like. Josh and I actually were just having this conversation earlier this morning. That, you know, we we talk all the time. We've never met in real life, per se. But, mm-hmm. you know, once once further removed, Madeline and I were just talking about how, you know, we've been conversing on Twitter for like kind of a while, but you never know what the person's actually going to be like, like when you speak to them. And so we were just saying, you know, how we we're excited to talk today. <laughs> yes. You should be afraid that we're lemons since you haven't spoken to us before. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I've listened to the podcast. Y'all are great. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you listened. Thanks, Madeline. Yeah, it's great. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are very excited, too. Can I appreciate your decor? Christmas sweater. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hang on the wall. What appears to be a, a mounted llama head? I do not. Yeah, it's like a Yeti. A mounted <laughs> I have another head. one over there, too. Oh, oh awesome. <laughs> and an all-seeing eye. Yes. Really establishing a vibe. Yes. 
Yes, a very unique vibe, which I love, which is, I mean, a perfect segue. So that is why I wanted you to come on the show. I thought it was such an interesting, like, like crossover, like combination of things that you do tarot, but you also are a writer and in the kidlit space. Like, I just, I kind of love that those two have converged for you. And I just, I wanted to hear all about it. Yeah, thank you. Um, Should I jump in? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, so I guess to like start on my tarot journey, it was something I was interested in for a super long time, and I was really interested in witchcraft, but I thought I wasn't like cool enough for it or something. So I was like, I'm just researching witchcraft for like this YA book I'm writing about witches, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just researching. And I was like super interested in getting a tarot reading. And I was like, I need this in my life. But then I kind of realized that what I really needed was therapy at the time. <laughs> I wanted to like talk about all my issues. I'm like, yes, tarot, but also like therapy first. Awesome. But, With a human being, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was really interesting when I saw my therapist, I didn't mention anything about like witchcraft or tarot. And she's like, I get the sense that you're a witch. Is that right? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like telling her about my journey and she's like, okay, so now your homework is to go and get a tarot deck and start reading. And um, so I did that. And there was another like wild synchronicity that at the same time, one of my best friends just out of nowhere got a tarot deck too without without it. So um, that's how my tarot journey started. And at that point I had already been writing obviously. And um for a while, they didn't really intersect. Like, I would ask the tarot, like, questions about my writing journey, but I didn't really, like, use it in my manuscripts or anything. But I found this really cool organization called Typewriter Tarot, and they do um, classes about how to, like, intersect, like, your writing with tarot. Um, For real? And- That's, like, a specific class that they, yeah, that they offer? Yeah, oh, they, my gosh. Um, I have so many questions. Yes, they've offered like a whole series and they do different things like writing the hard parts or like how to connect with character, how to connect with plot. Like there's a ton of different classes and they're all so cool. Um, so that's kind of what inspired me to start using tarot alongside my writing. I For, for the listening audience, uh, Brenna is very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm trying really hard to contain myself so I don't Already. like like bulldoze Madeline with like all my questions at once. Yeah, you've no. already piqued Brenda's interest for sure. Hit me, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, I was gonna make a dumb joke about how your did you do a tarot reading about whether or not you should go to therapy because it just seemed like they there was such a great crossover there. But then your therapist turned out to be like so intuitive and was like, you should yeah. definitely you're definitely interested in witches and now you should go and do this tarot reading so like so many questions about your therapist like does she also do tarot is she like into that kind of thing like who is this person she sounds amazing or he or she I don't know who they are but I mean that right there is just awesome a great synchronicity like you had said yeah it was amazing and I was not expecting that walking in on my very first session to be like pegged like that um it's a bold yeah. yeah she yeah. I think it's not as active in tarot currently but she took the path that a lot of people take where she um, read tarot a lot as a teenager. That's kind of where a lot of people get into it. Um, And 
she's interested in what I'd call kind of woo-woo stuff, as am I, obviously. Um, she's really into like hypnotherapy and kind of like <gasps> unorthodox so much techniques. So, yeah, so go cool. spill. So cool. I just. Uh, Madeline, I just, I cannot express enough enthusiasm for this. I just think it's so interesting and so cool. And just tiny, just sidebar about the hypnotherapy. So I have a really good friend who just got um, like certified for past life regression therapy, like hypnosis. Ooh, yeah. So interesting, right? So I just had a session with her and it lasted like three hours. It was like incredible. The stuff is like kind of mind blowing how you can like go into these past lives and watch them like these movies almost like your brain, like it's like you're watching like a dream or like a, like you're like sort of like a blurry sort of like picture of yourself. Like you sort of recognize that, okay, that's me. And like, this is what was happening in my life. And it just, it is like fascinating. I can talk to her for hours. The time just like evaporates because I'm like, wait, tell me more. I'm like, how does this thing work? And like, what about parallel worlds? And how many universes are there? And just like so many questions. I know, Josh, that is what, yeah, right? Josh is making a face for everybody you can't see. It's aghast. Aghast is my face. Not in a like a, hor- a horror kind of way. But no, no, yeah. More like like a, like a wow. Like, whoa. Like a wow. Like a wow. Yeah. Yeah, I did a past life regression with my therapist and it was like kind of freaky. I was like a baby that died in a boat fire in like the 1800s. (laughs) It was like, oh my God, it's kind of too much for me. (laughs) So your therapist did did a past life regression with you as well. Dude, how did you how did you stumble upon like the exact right therapist for you like first time around? I feel like that can be so hard for people to find somebody that they can like trust and connect with and you know, whatever. And you just like walked in and she was like, boom, you're a witch, you need to do tarot and let's do a past life thing. Right. It was like magical. Like the first therapist I tried to go to like never got back to me. So she was actually my second choice, but it like the universe was conspiring to like help me get to my therapist because she was perfect for me. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So, so you started doing the tarot and then you didn't Mm -hmm. really use it for your writing until like later on. So it was sort of like they were happening sort of like parallel to each other. But so now do you use it with your writing more? Like, is it more integrated? Yes. Yeah. And, um, a practice that like, I would like to do more that like, I don't know. I feel like I'm the kind of person who I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this every day. And then I don't. But um, (laughs) something I'd like to do more is just like before I sit down and write, just pulling a card from my character's perspective and being like, where's my character at today? And like pulling that card. But um, with my current work in progress, I have done a lot of work with tarot to figure out kind of like plot elements or what's the character's backstory like. And it's been a really cool tool for that. It's really cool. Do you do you sort of just like sort like you kind of like give up like all like control and like preconceived notions about like what might come out of it and just go with whatever the card says? And then sub question: what what kinds of questions do you ask? Because they they have to be like open ended, right? Yes. So, um, the cool thing about tarot is that it's kind of a storytelling form in itself. So. 
you don't just pull a card and be like, this is what it means always. It's kind of like you can kind of bend it to the situation. So I can use what I already know about my character and then pull the card and say, like, based on what I know about her, this is how she would react to it, you know. Um, and the kind of things I can ask is like, you know, what's something I should know about my character's past or um, what's an element of this um sorry like what's an element of this world that i haven't interacted with yet or you know oh, just wow. any sort of question that you might ask yourself about your writing you can ask the tarot and it's really cool and then you have to sort of interpret what the cards say right because it, i mean they're not going to yes. come out and be like this is the element you need to work on like here you go madeline right so the cards kind of all have their um, preconceived meanings and you can bring your own meaning to them too. But for example, there's cards that like have to do with heartache. There's cards that have to do with inner strength. There's cards that have to do with new beginnings. So you kind of pull what you know about the cards and what you know about your story and how you're feeling that day and just whatever and kind of mix it into the stew that becomes okay. your answer. That seems like a really fun way to like go about writing characters and plot and stuff. Sorry, Josh. I I just I keep jumping in, but I know you I know you had something I'm to say. Go ahead. Inclined to just <laughs> let you guys have fun with it. I have to cop, Madeline, to um the cliche that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago where I, I had a I had a tarot phase in high school. I had a writer weight deck and I don't mm. think I, I, I think the reason that um I didn't continue with it well, I guess probably primarily is that I went to college and got busy with other you know other things but but I also sure. didn't, I didn't have a peer group or I didn't have other people in my life that were interested in exploring that so I guess to understand aside from the ways in which the illustrations are you know placed onto the cards themselves is there is there a special class is not the right word but is is there methodology? by which you come to understand or study the cards themselves, work with different decks, that sort of thing? Yes, definitely. So when I learned, it was a mix of kind of reading books. And um, so my friend that got the deck the same time of me as actually a teacher. So he like learned way faster than I did. And he was like, do you want me to like give you lessons and like homework and stuff? And I was like, yes, please. Cause I'm such a nerd. I like love that. <laughs> awesome. I love learning that way. Um, so it was, he like assigned reading for me to do. And then we kind of went through a few cards a week and learned the cards. Like we're learning these ones these, this week and like, don't focus on anything else. Just get really familiar with these cards and read about them in this book. And also think about your own connection to them. And um, he did have me read from different decks so I could kind of see the similarities that went across the different decks while also seeing how they can be different. Um, and yeah, he also taught me about bringing personal stuff into it. So for example, I have a tarot deck that's all animals and one of the cards is an octopus. And like, I have this weird, irrational fear of octopuses. Oh, <laughs> so that's something I personally bring into that card is like facing my fears. And that's not something that would normally be in that card, but that's kind of bringing my own perspective into it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you, because I know there's there's like so many different kinds of decks, right? 
And so mm-hmm. I know you I know you have a ton because you often will post yes. about like new decks. So yes. for, first question, like, do you know how many decks you have? I would say somewhere around a dozen. Um, okay. But I'm trying to like not buy every single deck I love, but <laughs> it's been hard. <laughs> and then so how do you go about like picking the deck that you want to use? Like for instance, if you were going to do like a reading for like a good friend of yours, like in person, would that sort of in like that would um, dictate like which deck you chose as opposed to like maybe doing a reading for like, like Josh and I on the podcast, right? It's like a different format and you don't know us as well. Would that are those two things different? Yeah, I would say so. If I'm reading for someone else, I kind of like to pick a deck based on their vibe. Um, so like, I think this person would connect with this deck. Um, so, and when I say the vibe of the deck, like there's some decks that are just like very gentle, just like watercolor images, nothing Mm -hmm. scary, nothing harsh. And if I'm having like a really rough day, or if I'm reading for somebody who's very like sensitive and needs something very calm, I'll pick that deck. Um, there's some decks that have more of a sense of humor. If I feel that's needed i'll pull that one out um yeah some decks that are like a bit harsher and some people appreciate that they want kind of like a harder stance on things Mm. so um it's all kind of based on like the illustration style and the colors and what's actually being depicted some decks even have like little affirmations on them and like kind words so there's just like so many different feels so many different vibes of decks to pick yeah. So, so when you do, cause you often will open up on Twitter and say, you know, I like, I'll do a reading like a, like a one card or a couple of cards or whatever, which I always get really excited about. I'm like, Oh, awesome. Let's do this. But, um, <laughs> so do you tend to pick like one deck and you're like, okay, this is the deck I'm going to use for, you know, any like Twitter people that, that ask, or is it, or do are you like, okay, I'm gonna look at this question, extrapolate what I know about this person. And then, you know, pick the deck based on that. Yeah, when I do the Twitter readings, I just pick one deck to use usually, just because I do get quite a few responses. And it would be kind of a lot of labor to do this like 30 different times, like picking a deck based on the question of oh, person. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just when I'm doing those like mass readings, I'll pick one deck to make it simpler. Usually it's something that I'm particularly excited about or like a new deck. Like you said, I'm like, oh, I, I'm itching to read this new deck. Give me some questions, you know. <laughs> Is tarot necessarily associated with witchcraft? Are they are they interchangeable? I would not say they're interchangeable. Um, for me as a witch, tarot is a big part of my witchcraft, but you don't have to be a witch to read tarot. It's kind of like how I use candles in my witchcraft, but not everyone who lights candles is a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, so with tarot, it can come from a bunch of different beliefs about where the readings are coming from. So you can think, you know, when I'm pulling a card, I'm just conversing with my inner self. You can say when I'm pulling a card, it's the universe conversing with me or ancestors. You know, there's a bunch of different schools of belief about where these messages are really coming from. So I definitely encourage anyone who's interested to read tarot. You don't have to be a witch. You don't have to be interested in the occult. Um, 
I think, you know, magic comes from you. The tarot cards are just pieces of paper, so you don't have to be afraid of them. It's time for this week's book reviews. Floor Bradley's Midnight at the Barclay Hotel, illustrated by Xavier Bonet, is Josh's review of the week. Murder mystery and middle grade aren't necessarily two genres that naturally blend, but Floor expertly threads that needle with accessible characters and a really safe ratcheting up of the tension. Like any good murder mystery, everybody has a story, everybody has a motive, and nobody has the full picture of what's really happening at the Barclay Hotel. This week, I chose The Slidey Diner by Laurel Snyder, illustrated by Jamie Zellers. This is one from 2008, and though I usually try to review more recent books, my son and I could not put it down. It's just the right amount of creepy for a kid with an MC who permanently resides at the Slidey Diner after taking the last lemon drop. It's a fly-covered, pumpkin and asparagus pie-filled, flooded basement creep fest, and it's so, so good. The only question is, would you like a lemon drop? Check out the show notes for links to the authors, illustrators, and where to buy the books. And make sure to get your own reviews or library requests in. They're the number one thing that can help an author's sales. And before we get back to our show, this week we're introducing a new feature on the podcast, Community Shoutouts. Here's how it works. Have an amazing critique partner? A friend got an agent, signed a contract, or finished that project? Or your kidlit friend is just that rad and you want everyone else to know it? Click our community shoutout link and email the shoutout to verseshowpod at gmail.com and we'll shout it out on an episode. Here are this week's shoutouts. First, from the amazing Emily Holly, my friend and critique partner. Hello, hi, yes. I'd like to shout out my fabulous CP, Brenda Jenneret. Oh shoot, that's not right. Brenna, Brenna, so sorry. And let's get Cher, Mari, and Angel in there too. Beams for life. And one last quick note to add that Josh Munkin has received rave reviews from my mom and dad on his read of my most recent picture book, Audible Lookout. Love you, Verse Show. Dude, we love you too, Emily. Thank you so much for the warm words and kind shout out. Next, from The Angel Tate, I'd like to send a shout out to all the wonderful helpers in the Kidlet community at large. Too many to name, but also I want to send a big giant thank you to Gerald Connors for his help with my picture book dummy. His help was invaluable to this newbie in a world of illustration. Gerald, you rock. From Justin Cologne of the Kidlet Hive, PB Chat congratulates 2022 mentee Kimberly Shrek on signing with agent Laurel Simons of KT Literary via the PB Chat Showcase. And from my new friend and yours, Jess Towns, I want to shout out my friend and author Carrie Allen for the awesome educator guide she created for Groundhog Gets It Wrong. Carrie's guides are creative and thorough, and she brings her expertise as both an educator and an author to the page. I highly recommend her if you're looking for classroom extension activities for your books. Thank you, Carrie. You're especially talented. Thank you, everyone, for contributing to making the Kidlit Joy Bubble a little bit bigger. And now, back to our show. I, part of what I'm trying to get at with, with the question around um, the association with witchcraft, I mean... There's got to be some stigma that you deal with when it comes to things that are, I mean, you use the term with your therapist, a little bit more woo woo. I mean, you can, you can, you can make the assertion that anything that is associated with spirituality is woo woo and there is stigma associated with it from someone's perspective. But, um, but, you know, I certainly, when I was interested in exploring tarot, 
was interested from this historical connection. And I, I never associated myself with, with witchcraft in any way. I mean, people in my sort of social circle m- may have been, but I imagine it's something that you, you deal with or have to kind of come, come to terms with. Definitely. For a long time, I just like didn't tell anyone I was doing tarot or witchcraft because like I was still kind of coming to terms with it myself and I didn't want that judgment. Um, And I found for the most part, people have been like pretty cool about it. There's definitely some relatives, especially older relatives who are like, I don't understand why you're doing this. You're too nice to be a witch, just like things like that. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, there's definitely the stigma. And like, I've been working on myself being okay with that discomfort from other people because this is something I really love and I want to be out in the open about it. Um, There's a term in the witchcraft community called coming out of the broom closet. (laughs) So over the past few years, I've been kind of on that journey of coming out of the broom closet and I feel like I'm pretty much fully out right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I love that. I love that it's like got a humorous twist as well. You know, like own own the stereotype. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, Madeline, just just for the sake of like conversation, so you you identify as a witch, but does that mean mm-hmm. and you practice witchcraft, but that is like it's rooted in sort of a belief system, right? Yes, yeah. So witch is such a broad term. Um, there are some kind of more like organized witch religions, like Wicca, for example, or you know, people who will practice with certain gods and goddesses. And for me, mine isn't really that structured. For me, it's more of just kind of a belief that in manifestation and a belief that you can communicate with the universe and a belief that you can make things happen for yourself. And that, um, you know, I've always been somebody who's been really intuitive and empathetic. And it's just kind of an extension of that for me, just like feeling into the world, feeling into other people and kind of using that to create rituals for myself. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That's a really in, like interesting way to spin it. I mean, un- I feel like under that sort of umbrella of definition, like I feel like I'm a witch too. Like I, wow. I love that kind of stuff. Like, like feeling oh, like yeah. you can manifest for yourself and like make things happen. Also, Gerald, I know you're listening to this episode. I feel like you might also be under that umbrella. That's like right. we t- yes. This whole episode, we talked about manifesting and just like how – like it can be like so powerful to the point that like sometimes I have to double check myself. I'm like, do I really want that thing? Like, is that a little bit scary? Like if I put that out into the world and it comes back, like then what? Right. So it's sort of like this gra- this thing like to grapple with. But yeah, I love that definition that that makes a lot of sense. Like just the fact that you can sort of like you have this power, this like innate power to like make things happen. Yes. And I believe there are so many people out there who, if they like the label of which they are able to take it on. Um, There's this really great podcast by um, Pam Grossman, who's a famous witch. Um, It's called the Witch Wave Podcast. And she's always encouraging the people on her podcast to like call themselves a witch. She's like, yes, do it. You're a witch. And that's something (laughs) that really helped me call myself a witch. Um, And also my friend who was reading tarot at the same time as me, he wrote me this beautiful letter. And it started out to my friend Madeline, who's been a witch all along. And 
So I framed it and put it over my altar and it's just, it was like so affirming. So anyone out there, especially Gerald, if you feel like you're a witch, you are just claim it. <laughs> Aw, I love that. I, f- I feel like that's a label that Gerald would claim. I think so. Yeah. Happily. I love that we're talking about Gerald just randomly on this podcast. <laughs> uh, he, he's not a stranger to being brought up in the context. Of podcast, yeah, right. Sure. No, yeah. no, he's not. <laughs> What kind of a writer are you? I know you're YA. Mm-hmm. Um, I write young adult contemporary. And I kind of like a mix of going for things that are really emotional, but also like funny and kind of poppy. So my books are really a mix of like things that will make you laugh or things that have sometimes made people cry. Um, I, you know, you've probably been able to tell I'm a very emotional person. So I just like infuse my books with so much emotion. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that probably really helps uh, with your tarot readings as well, because that's Mm -hmm. that's sort of the other side of the coin of being um, really empathetic and like intuitive, right? Because you're so because those emotions are sort of like right at the surface. It's also easy to earn easier, I suppose, to access somebody else's emotions as well or to feel what they're feeling. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's a lot that runs through writing and tarot reading that kind of is like the same vein. Oh, tell us more about that. What do you think? What do you think the like crossovers are? Yeah. So when I read tarot, I'm essentially crafting a story and it's not the same way as crafting fiction. I'm not just pulling stuff out of nowhere and like making things up, but I am kind of crafting a narrative either for myself or whoever I'm reading for based on these images and saying like, okay, here's this card. Are you feeling this way right now? Oh, is it because of this? You know, and using kind of my innate knowledge of storytelling to craft the narrative of the reading. That's so interesting. I Yeah, I've never thought about it that way, like creating a story around it. Are you a pantser? I was, I'm trying not to be a pantser anymore because. Oh, come on, um, Madeline. It's fun on this side of the fence. (laughs) Stay on this side. (laughs) It is. But the issue is I've had to like completely rewrite books with just like a scrap of nothing because I just pantsed all over the place. So (laughs) I'm kind of like looking at being in between where I plot the major things and let myself like pants the minor things. So Mm. I don't have to completely rewrite my drafts from scratch every time. (laughs) This, the reason that I ask is that there's a, hopefully you agree with this assertion. Um, There's an aspect of improv to reading tarot. And if you give yourself, if you give yourself like freedom within the framework of a structure, I can see how that worked, but that would work, but I'm trying to sort of reconcile, you know, if you're using this, say for example, you know, I've got a character who's a young girl pirate and I need to write, write something for her about how she interacts with her friends. And I draw, you know, the death card or I draw the seven of, you know, staves or something. And, and, you know, that runs the risk either of throwing a story in a different direction if I take that or, or I guess to your earlier point, I'm drawing my own conclusions based on what you've said, <laughs> allows you to sort of like reflect on the draw and reinforce ideas that you've already had. Am I thinking about that in the right way? Yeah, definitely. And the thing when I pull cards for my writing is it's a very like take it or leave it situation. So sometimes I'll 
say like, okay, let me draw a card for my character's backstory and I'll learn something, but it won't necessarily go into the draft. So mm. if I can't, if there was ever a situation where I just couldn't reconcile something at all, like I go more on what I know about the story versus what the cards say. So I wouldn't let the cards just like veer me in a totally different direction, but they can kind of be sparks of inspiration. You answered that question in the right way. I feel like. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Not that there was one right way to answer, but it in a in a way that's that's really cogent and just allows you to sort of like reflect on your story, which I think is really valuable. It's almost like yeah. taking feedback from your critique partners, right? Like you take the stuff yes. that resonates, but then you leave everything else because you're like, I don't know, man, like that feels weird to take a hard left turn there or alternately, right? No, that that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Let's take a hard left and see what happens. So, yeah, it sort of depends. I love that. I love thinking of tarot as kind of like a spiritual critique partner. I think that is great. <laughs> yes. This is going to end up with me buying another tarot deck and exploring these yes. things with my kids. Dude. Dude. How fun would that be? Madeline, do you have a good one to, rec to recommend? What's your like favorite that you've seen recently that would be good for like a family, like a family deck? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so they do have a few decks that are made specifically for kids. So I think those are worth checking out. Um, as far as what I have, I would recommend the Spirit Song Tarot. That's one I was kind of referencing earlier. It's like all watercolor images of animals, and it's very gentle. Um, they take cards like death and change it into transformation. So there's nothing that's going to be like really scary jumping out at you for kids. And like also the kids can recognize the animals and there's like words right on their keywords that help you read. So um, yeah, the spirit song tarot by Paulina Fay, I believe I would recommend. No, nice. oh, I love that. I love that. It's like sort of a, um, like a beginner, like cheater deck, like with, with like the keywords on there. Cause I, I have a deck also, but I've only gotten it out like once or twice because I was so overwhelmed with like the instructions and it took me whatever, like an hour to do one reading. Cause I was like, wait, what did that say? And I'd have to flip through and I'm like, okay. And then think about it. And then how do I interpret it? And it just was like, it was a whole thing. So I think getting a deck that had like those words on there to at least be like steering me in the right direction or like, this is how you interpret it would be like so helpful. Definitely. Yeah, that was actually my first deck, too. And um, it is really helpful to have some kind of like hints on the card. So you don't have to like, just go in totally having to know all of the symbolism and everything. Yeah. Would you so would you recommend that that deck like for anyone who's listening, and they're like, Oh, that actually sounds like a really cool because it could be like a really good uh, like writing exercise almost, right? Like just pull like a couple of cards and see what the inspiration is. And like, if you want to take that inspiration for your character or your story or wherever you're stuck, then take it. And if you don't, you know, leave it and draw something else. Like, do you feel like that would be a good way to sort of start using it if you wanted to, you know, sort of have your writing and your tarot meet in the middle? Definitely. Yeah, I think that would be a great starter deck. Um, there's also something called Oracle decks. And mm. Oracle decks function like tarot decks, but they don't, they're not always the same 78 cards. And a lot of time Oracle decks um, will have like keywords on them. So if you're intimidated by tarot and don't want to get into the whole like 78 card thing, Oracle decks are also a great place to start. That might be a little bit easier of a way to kind of jump into card reading if you're not wanting to just go 
full on in. So what's the difference between tarot and oracle? Like, are there significantly less cards and is it like more condensed or how do they, how do they differ? Yeah. So tarot decks typically are always the same 78 cards. And with oracle decks, you can have any number of cards and they can be anything you want. So, for example, I have an oracle deck of animals, and it's just like banana slug, stingray, you know, that kind (laughs) of thing. It doesn't have to follow the same format that tarot does where you have, like, strength, death, three of wands, whatever. So it's kind of like a fast and loose tarot deck. (laughs) Oh, that sounds right up my alley. That sounds perfect. The deck for all pansers. Yes. (laughs) Fast and loose. Yeah. And I to circle back a little bit, I know exactly what you're saying in terms of like, I don't want to have to rewrite my whole draft every time. So that is fine for picture books. That has worked out fine for me. I just write a bazillion drafts, which whatever, because they're 500 words. But now I'm working on a middle grade novel and I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I add an extra chapter here, I have to like rewrite all I have to make sure that thread goes like all the way through you know 50,000 words now and I'm just like oh boy what have I gotten myself into (laughs) right it's you know with novels it's quite a big undertaking to add anything at all so I feel you there (laughs) yes characters subplots it's I'm doing it all Madeline it's not a good plan anyone listening don't do it don't do what Madeline said like have yeah right have a have a structure and then be loose within the structure that seems like so smart I just for me when I start to write that's when the structure comes and if I don't continue to write then it won't like reveal itself it's like one of those like paint by numbers like the stuff just like comes Mm -hmm. as I'm like writing and if I don't write then I have no story so it's like paint by numbers has structure though (laughs) (laughs) There, so my mom loves to tell this story about me when I was a kid. So she had, she used to love to go to the Y to exercise and they had like kids classes. And so she put me in like the arts and crafts class and they had to call her out of her jazzercise class or whatever she was in and like bring her down to the arts and crafts room. Cause I was like, like unconsolable. And so she came over and she's like, dude, she's like, what is the matter? Well, she didn't call me dude. I was like six. She's like, what's the matter? And and I'm like, I don't want to color inside the lines. I was like, so beside myself. And so she took me out and put me in tumbling. And then I, then everything was fine. (laughs) Oh, I love that baby pantser. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, please don't, please don't make me draw inside the lines anymore. (laughs) It's like killing a piece of me. Anyways, that is amazing. Paint by structure might have numbers, Josh, but not not for this painting. Not when you do it. No, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean this this conversation is really it's fascinating and serendipitous in the context of like I've I've talked on the podcast before about how social anxiety and public speaking in the context of my day job have been challenges for me in the past. And so I've been a member of Toastmasters for now 10 years, which is a public speaking organization where you go up and you, you, you talk and you build up your chops and you get more comfortable with it. I gave a, I gave a speech on time management and you know, I've got two kids and a puppy and you have to manage your time differently when you've got, um, I promise I'm getting towards a point with this kind of meandering exploration here, but you have to manage your time differently when you've got a lot of factors going on. And this notion of what counts as work, what counts as writing, what counts as creativity, what counts as productivity to me, um, things like walking my dog count as productivity. And the point that I'm trying to wend my way towards is that explorations like tarot are their own sort of creativity and it's valuable to step away from the pure 
production of a creative output and uh, engage in some kind of activity like this to help explore different, I mean, to your point, Madeline, different aspects of what you're working on, different character, you know, choices, things like that. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really valuable to reinforce whenever possible. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's definitely something I've been learning too, that the creative process isn't just putting words on the page. It's so much more than that. It's taking time to rest and refill the well. It's reading tarot. It's like you said, like walking the dog. Um, and I think that our society has such a messed up vision of what productivity is. Mm. And I don't like it. <laughs> I wish that um, it was, you know, more standard that people would see productivity as pretty much anything you're doing. Um, I don't believe that laziness exists. I think that we all deserve and need rest. I think we all need and deserve time for creative play. So yeah, I just completely, completely agree with your point there. I, I think too, like tarot, especially, I just feel like it's such a fun sort of like interesting way to look at the world and to get you to for somebody who is always trying to create and put put it on the page right sometimes you just are like at a loss like you're stuck or you just are frustrated or you know you're just you're just out of ideas and this is like a great way to sort of like spark something else or just to even think about something else in a different way that maybe has nothing to do with your writing but can can help you you know, like you say, like, take a break or like refill the well, whatever, whatever you need to do. Like, it just seems like, I mean, I know there is more to it, but it's kind of like, it's just like pure fun. Like, I think it's just like, like, I've, like I said, every time I see you post, I just am like, I get excited because I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, what will they learn? Like, what will the answers to the questions be? And I know, I know we've talked about Gerald already before on the podcast, but I know that he has posted a couple of times too, just saying like, how much he appreciates like the positivity that just comes from those readings. Cause as you said, you can, you can bend however you interpret them anyway, but you always choose to like put out that like positive vibe into the Kidlet community and like help to like lift people up. And it just, it's just like, it's fun and it makes you feel good. And I, I just think, I don't know, I don't know how you could not benefit from something like that. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm like emotional. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to make you cry or anything. I just, yeah, no. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. But that's definitely something with my readings in particular. I always try to come from a place of empathy and uplift. Um, I always want people to walk away from the readings, believing in themselves, believing in their magic and feeling understood. Um, so I'm really glad that that's coming through. Oh, yeah. Strive for a social presence, though, that gives people those warm, excited feelings anytime you tweet something out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. I Yeah. And anyone who is listening, like I will put Madeline, we will link all of your stuff in this episode so that you can go and get a reading from Madeline because she's she's incredible. Like I've had several from you and they always they always have that effect on me. I'm always like, oh, man, it's like a it's like a virtual hug. I'm like, oh, Madeline gets me like that was really, like, I, thank you for, you know, spinning it that way and like interpreting it, you know, because you're just like it, it just makes you feel better. Like it feels a little bit like hopeful, you know, because I've seen some of the questions that come through, you know, like I have all of those questions like, you know, what does my book career look like? Like, where's my writing going? You know, and writers in general, I mean, 
it's like a miracle to get anything published. So people are just, it's rough, you know, people are like, they're kind of bummed and they need a little bit of like a, a lift. So I feel like that is what you're giving people as well as like interpreting these cards in a, you know, in a thoughtful way. So anyways, if you're listening, I will put all the links in for Madeline and you should go and check her stuff out, get a reading because it's fun. Thank you so much. And yeah, I totally resonate with everyone who comes with publishing questions because when I first started reading tarot, it was maybe like a month or so before I signed with my agent. And I had just so many questions about that and publishing and everything. And that's like really where I started with tarot. So like when people come to me with those kind of questions, I'm like, yeah, I relate to what you're doing so much. Yeah, you're like well versed in asking and asking that stuff. The tarot's probably like, okay, we got another one. Let's see. Let me see what right. I can tell them. <laughs> yeah. Where Where are you? You successfully segued because you mentioned your agent, but where Where are you in the process there? Yeah. So um, I am agented, not yet published. Um, I guess I'll share this because I feel like it's not often shared. We're not often supposed to talk about it, but I've gotten very close with a few different projects mm. and just solidarity with everyone else out there who is in the same situation where you're close, but not there yet. Um, but I, you know, there's a reason we keep doing it right. There's a reason we keep fighting for it. And I think that it's worth it as long as we're still feeling it. So hopefully, you know, if you follow me on social media, I'll have something to share one day. But currently, um, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, I I feel that, Madeline. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I feel like at every stage, it's just it's just hard, you know, like. There's a lot of rejection yes. at every stage. There's a lot of like close calls at every stage of this, you know, and everyone I feel like is just, they, you know, we work really hard, which is also why on the flip side, whenever I see anyone with good news, I'm like, yeah, let's get behind that because somebody somewhere, you know, got published, they pushed through and like, you know, maybe they'll take the rest of us with them because it's, yes. you know, it'll come, it'll come if you keep, if you just keep doing it, like you said, and it's worth it if you are enjoying it and if you keep, you know, if, if it brings you any sort of joy, like keep doing it. But otherwise, right, like take a break, like tap out because it's yes. kind of rough. Yeah, and I definitely believe on like a spiritual level too that like supporting other people's successes kind of raises your own energy of success. It's like, I don't know. I think that being positive for other people helps positive things happen for you. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that. It's sort of like a like a joy bubble. Like the more you add to it, right, the more it like lifts. And like if you're yes. in, if you're in there, right, you're like gonna get lifted up with it. So it's like, yeah, let's let's celebrate because it can only be good, you know. Absolutely. I mean, or or, or if nothing else, it doesn't mean remaining positive doesn't mean you're going to get a book deal necessarily. But but I think right. you know it it had. Uh, engaging in this community for me, I'm, I'm a writer of Kidlet. It hasn't gotten me an agent and it hasn't gotten me any book deals, but it has, it has helped considerably put my writing in perspective and help me frame it in a light that is positive and uh, forward moving and energetic. And I feel like I have, you know, a giant community of, of joy bubble friends. Joy and it got you this awesome podcast. Term. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
and the super yeah. rad co-host. So that's right. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, this is not the first time that we've talked about tarot um, on this podcast. Before Brenna joined, I had another guest on, um, I think a couple of years ago, who uh, was a ghostwriter and and authored their own stuff and did tarot. And we didn't have as robust a conversation about it. So I'm glad Brenna's here um, for many more reasons than that one, but that one in particular. <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. <laughs> um, so Madeline, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We're edging towards like the hour. Um, do you have time to do a quick reading for me and Josh on the on the podcast? Absolutely. So would you like to ask a specific question or do you want just a general reading and see what comes up? Oh, interesting. Well, Josh has a specific question. And yeah. should we, could we do Josh's question and then just like a general yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. Well, you outed me. I'm sorry. Uh, my question, <laughs> I was going to get too nervous to actually ask my personal question because usually I'm the one that's asking questions and making other people talk. Yeah, I, I, we were talking about this earlier this morning, Brent and I, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm curious about something that I imagine a lot of people are curious about with their writing journeys, which is where, where are my energies best put in the con mm. context of, um, revising, creating new work that energizes me, moving into a new genre. I think I've talked about it before, either here or on social media, that I, I, would, I would love to write outside the picture book genre um, if, that, if, if that becomes possible for me with the, the constraints that I, I have on my time. So I guess that's the essence of the question or the exploration is, um, you know, what, what in the next year uh, is going to be the right, the right direction for me to take my energies? Great. Now let me see here. What, what deck shuffle do I through. Get too? Oh, so it's the Pulp Girls Tarot, um, which is like that sounds fun. <laughs> it's very like based on their traditional writer weight, um, but it is just like very cute, like very cute kind of retro. Um, oh, design. awesome! I'm into it. I'm yes. glad that's the vibe that I created that made you choose that. One. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so we have the Wheel of Fortune for you. Um, for listeners, it's a big wheel in the sky with animals surrounding it and a sphinx on top. And basically with the Wheel of Fortune, it is kind of like the ups and downs of life that you never know what's going to come. So what I would say for you about your energies is kind of just roll with it. Roll with what you're feeling. And you don't have to stick to just one path, but... Maybe in the few first few months of the year, you'll want to do, you know, some revising. And maybe in the next few months, you'll feel compelled to write something that's not a picture book. I would say just roll with what you're feeling. Go with the flow. And don't pin yourself into one particular box. Dude, I like that. I'll take yeah. that. I stand encouraged. Yeah. Get Wheel of Fortune is also telling us to get Pat Sajak on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> That's the main message of the card. Famous kidlet writer Pat Sajak. Yeah, right. Please come on. Also, maybe Fortune <laughs> Feimster, who just did a guest appearance on Wheel of Fortune and who I oh love. Oh my gosh. I know. Do you yes. know her? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. She's hilarious. I saw her live recently. She's so good. It's so oh good. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you know her, Josh? Have you, do you know this? Yes. Comedian? And I wasn't going to cop to this, but yes, she's been on a kid's, uh, a, 
She's been on Is It Cake, which my kids are. Oh, yes. That's the only yes. episode that I watched of that that show because I was like, I got to see Fortune. You are a fan. I am. Yeah. So, so Charlie, shout out to Charlie. Charlie's a big Fortune Feimster fan. Oh, my gosh. Me too, Charlie. Me too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we do one more card for kind of just a general? Yeah. That'd be, yeah. That would be awesome. Thank you, Madeline. Yeah. Let's see. Ooh. We've got the Page of Cups. So for listeners, it's a person standing um, by the seashore with a goblet that has a fish in it. And this particular one, she's just really groovy. She has like butterfly wings and like a cool hat. <laughs> yeah, um, poofy, poofy sleeves and a bathing suit. Yeah. Um, very, she's very cool silent. Betty Boop kind of like. Yeah. yeah, right. She pulls it off. Yes. So the Page of Cups, I like to think about being open to surprises, kind of like looking in your cup and like a fish just suddenly pops out, right? That's a surprise. (laughs) It's a great metaphor. (laughs) Yes. So just like keep your eyes open to delights that might come your way. Let yourself be surprised, you know, walking around. Don't just assume that everything's going to go the way you think it's going to be. You know, look under rocks, take a peek around the corner, see what might come up for you. And just know that life is full of pleasant surprises and you can't expect a specific surprise. But if you expect yourself to be surprised and delighted, you never know what might come your way. I feel like that so resonates with us on several levels for the podcast. Cause like, that's kind of how Josh and I started this whole thing is we just, it was very serendipitous. Like we ended up in the same critique group. He had a podcast that he didn't have time for. I had a podcast he didn't have time for. And then we decided to like combine our powers and have at least a like time for one podcast. And so we were like, do you want to try to do this? Like, yeah, okay, let's do this. And so now like a year plus later, we're still doing it and it's like so sustainable with two of us. It's so, it's so like manageable and we both really enjoy it. So it's been, yeah. And we it's make a ton of money from it. doing this too. Yeah. Right. We're like rich. The subscriptions are <laughs> so. through the roof. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was kind of a surprise. Like I didn't go into this critique group thinking like, Oh, I'm totally going to get a podcast partner out of this. I w- it was just like, it just sort of happened, which yeah. I love that kind of opportunity. Yeah, me too. And that like really resonates too with how tarot has become kind of a part of my brand and personality online. I never thought it was something I would share, but then I started sharing and it really clicked with people. And I'm just so grateful and glad that I get to share this with others. So surprises are good. And Fortune Feimster is going to be really surprised when she gets tagged in our thread. (laughs) Totally. And then have to come on the podcast. (laughs) How awesome would that be? Oh, my gosh. Fortune Feimster, please come on our show. Assuming, number one, that you listen to this. And number two, that you listen all the way through. (laughs) We'll we'll find a way to justify her presence on this podcast. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Well, Madeline, thank you. Thank you again for coming on. And thank you for being so generous with your readings and doing them for the Kidlet community and also, you know, on the podcast, just on a whim, because I brainstormed, you know, kind of recently, I was like, I wonder if she would pull a couple of cards for us. And she was so generous and just was like, yeah, of course, like, no problem. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's truly been a delight. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind our cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmontgords.com. See you next verse. Bye.